You're listening to Two Sons of Tatooine. If there's a bright center to the universe, you're listening to the podcast that it's farthest from. And here are your hosts, Jonathan and Nathan. Welcome back, everyone. And as the intro said, this is Two Sons of Tatooine. I am Nathan, a.k.a. NP Bro, and my co-host, as always, is Star Wars super nerd, Jonathan Cohn. Today, we are joined by a friend of the podcast, my friend, and that is Trent. Trent, I'm so glad that you're back with us, sir. <laughs> we will today re- be reviewing Chapter 11 of The Mandalorian, directed by Bryce Dallas Howard and entitled The Heiress. So far, the highest rated episode of Season 2. We are very pumped to get talking about this, so let me throw it to you, Jonathan, for your opening thoughts. Well, first thing I can tell you is that this is the first episode of the season that I almost immediately went back and rewatched before we recorded the podcast. So um, I got on top of it this time. Also, I wanted to rewatch it so badly. You, you had so, to mention that. Yeah. You had to mention that you did your homework. So how long before a rewatch? Was it instant? Was it like? It was the next day. But I mean, okay. it was, you know, within a day, which last time it, it's been a couple days between the last ones. But yeah, I, I, I loved it so much. And I took several mental notes. And man, is this one chock full of just stuff to talk about. And I am super pumped to talk about it. I imagine that all of the connections that you'll have to bring out will be <clears throat> most of your favorite parts. But um, mm-hmm. anyway, Trent, what was your opening thoughts about the episode? Oh, man, I was ecstatic. I watched it with my wife, and um, there were several parts where I <laughs> would jump up for different reasons, but I would still make a lot of physical movement because of this episode. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and like Jonathan, I, I, watched, I wanted to watch it again immediately, so uh, it was, I think it was the next day when I did it as well, and it was... Oh, just as good the second time around. <laughs> if I could, if oh. I could interject for a second and say that I watched this with a bunch of friends, there were like five of us. And let me tell you, I am loving the ability to watch this at home with friends because if we were in the theater, we would react a little bit, but we were able to like talk and in between shots or something. And there was, there were times where all of us said the same thing or we were all emoted audibly and it was just so much fun. So this is, this is a great opportunity to have the watching this at home. Mm. I watched it at work Friday during lunch break. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There were some, uh, some of my, my teacher's aides students who were like, what are you doing in there? Because <laughs> I, would, I would be like, yes. <laughs> and uh, they'd be like, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm, I'm watching uh, The Mandalorian. Oh, is that out? And that's one of those great things when you can share with your students and they're just as excited as you are. So they were like, oh, you know, I can't wait to watch that tonight or, or whatever, mm-hmm. the, you know, they would say. Yeah. Um, I was like, yeah, now get back to work. <laughs> do, you, do, do your work. Anyway, so um, I couldn't wait to couldn't wait to see it again, but. Uh, it was it was even better when I was watching it on not my computer desk monitor at home uh, or at work. Anyway, so uh, here we are talking about it. Let's just start with where we started the episode, which is with the Razor Crest, Razor Crest just flying almost kind of like limping <laughs> barely towards the planet of Trask or the moon of Trask, I guess, technically. And uh, <clears throat> the, my first thought when I heard Trask 
and I don't know if any, any of you are old court, KOTOR fans out there, but of course there's a ton of memes about Trask, which is the first character you meet in the game of KOTOR of Knights of the Old Republic, and he sacrifices himself aboard the Indar Spire as you live. Oh, anyway, yeah. so my first yeah. thought was uh, that you could, you could, there would be memes, and of course the next day there were memes uh, of Trask, and <laughs> the planet, and, and of course the guy. Anyway, so the ship flying through and that opening shot was very 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 great this was the same look did it not throw you back to the trailer right away jonathan you Mm -hmm. were thinking about that yeah what did you think of the approaching shot like with the quality of the the views because technically we we got more details i I feel like than than we, we even in some of the star wars films just of the planet but as you're approaching Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, you could tell that this planet was not a uh, mono, um, like one, like just a desert or just an ocean or anything. It had biomes. And that was so excited because too often in Star Wars, we just get one biome in the whole planet. So that was very exciting for one thing. And secondly was the opening shot. I feel like we have to bookend it with also the final shot. And they both show the Razor Crest in space and not in the best of condition. And <laughs> this is yeah. this is what makes Star Wars truly great. Star Trek, they tried this in their more epic moments, but Star Wars, you can see the beat up aspects of the ship, and they really mm-hmm. take time to detail it. When he even when he walks in, and there's like webs everywhere from the spiders. Like they, <laughs> yeah. there's such detail. Um, and then we'll talk about this more in a second, but when he's in the ship and it's descending toward the planet, you see condensation on the, um, windows, which is what would happen if that you did that in real life. So they like probably talked to scientists to make sure they got all the technical aspects of this correctly. So this was, this was not just a space. I'm just going to write that it crashed down on the planet, but they still somehow survived. Like, no, they took time and really thought this out. So that was really exciting. (laughs) Trent, you think that he needed to turn his like his vents on so that his windshield didn't fog up as he's crashing? <laughs> I think he had a little uh, other things to worry about, and it, there was, it, that, honestly, that opening shot was was, was tense. The because um, he he had to ask the frog lady for uh, help, and then of course we're thinking, well, they're not going to die in a crash. We're more worried about the eggs because it kept lingering <laughs> on the eggs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I was like, oh, it's gosh. like they knew that we would be freaking out, be like, stop. Don't, don't let the child do it. Don't. You got to keep an eye on it. I found myself more more uh, anticipating uh, Baby Yoda eating another egg instead of them getting hurt. So there was there was a great moment of diffusing the tension when they finally kind of land, and uh, you see the the Mon Calamari guy who's kind of like shaking his head at him as they're as they're trying to. To very very clumsily land, and mm-hmm. you think that they're going to be fine, and then at the very last second, the the right uh, starboard engine just kind of like gives out as it's, I, I cannot go anymore, and just the thing topples into the water. And uh, so, what was your first thought about that? Would you did you chuckle or or what did what did you think, Trent? Uh, it kind of caught me off by surprise. I I was more uh, surprised by the Mon Calamari not moving because uh, he just stood there and watched them. Yeah, fall yeah. real close to the ground, and then he didn't flinch even when they took a tumble into the water. He's just like, eh. Why mm-hmm. <laughs> sees sees worse? I guess I don't know why, but Jonathan, did you pause the as as you watched the episode again as they're falling, and did you pause and kind of look at the at the cityscape as they're approaching it? 
Mm-hmm. The design of the cityscape, and and even uh, as as we're looking the background that's behind Trent right now, the design of everything ah. looked very much like Solo. The way that they designed Corellia specifically in mm. Solo, the just I got I got the same vibes in that respect. Um, uh, but with the Mon Calamari not moving, it reminded me of in um, Return of the King when they're lobbing the things over Minas Tirith. And then you have the main orc, and he's just standing there looking, and he doesn't even flinch till the very last <laughs> second. Like, that's what that, that, that evoked with me. But also, if the Mon Cal got knocked into the water, like, he can swim, yeah. and he can breathe underwater, <laughs> so it's not a big deal to him. Yeah. The only thing would yeah. be if it fell directly on him, which he probably was confident it wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, that, that guy was pretty funny. He, uh, <clears throat> with his, his, I was like, I was hoping we would talk more. And of course, we did get one who did talk more later, but that one just mm-hmm. kind of stood there. The the Mon Calamari are, are well known for their ship design. They're actually, a, as a mm-hmm. species, yeah. technically most of them are very very skilled at at shift crafting and things like that. So the quality, and we see a lot of their ships in as a part of the rebellion, especially in in episode six. Um, so Jonathan, did you think, oh, this guy is like the perfect one to run into to fix their broken ship? Um, I mean, I thought they'd fix it more than he did. I mean, yeah. I didn't I didn't expect it to look all shiny and new, but I at least expected him to, you know, clean out the cobwebs or something like that wouldn't take mo- cost money. No, he added like, <laughs> I added added cobwebs. So, yeah, that that aspect of it, I was like, mm, I don't know. But uh, was- I mean, when when Mando says uh, Mon Cal or something like that. It's like, well, we have to realize Mando's not the most open-minded of individuals. He's not the most. uh, uh, He 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 has some some bad tendencies to to group everyone together. So, but would you say that he is open to learning because he's shown that he can. Yeah, he's, a, he's so open he has, to learning. He but. has a little prejudice going in, like any of us do. But he meets people and they change his mind, like mm-hmm. he did with IG Eleven or you know others. Yeah, but um, I thought that was funny. Uh, also, what did you guys? This is moving to the next portion. Or, or actually, I just realized. Did you guys notice that the shot of when it's falling is very similar to Apollo Eleven when that um, when their pod or whatever ship is falling, and that was directed by Ron Howard, and this is directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. So kind of, uh, I want. I don't know uh, if it was. I, I'm. It looked so similar. That I'm sure there was some um, purpose. Like she, she probably meant to do that a little bit. Oh yeah, um, that sounds but right. I, yeah, but that, I thought that was cool. But then moving into when they got into that area with the frog lady meeting the frog man, which first of all you have two people in prosthetics can make you feel that kind of like warm fuzziness of oh they finally got together like that was sweet yeah and then when he's like hugging the 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 the, the thing with the, the backpack with the eggs uh, and looking at it was sweet. And the music was so fantastic and it, throughout this episode, but at two particular points, and this is one of them, where it had like a very softer, slower uh, Mando theme. Uh, and I just thought it was very, uh, very environmental. Like I could feel like that type of music ha- being on that planet. It also kind of reminded me of Finding Nemo for some reason, some of the music from that. <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe because of the fish stuff. But anyway, yeah. that's where my mind went with all that. So I really yeah. liked the, the frog people meeting up. I thought that was really sweet. 
man, the, the world building and, and I'm talking mm-hmm. about the music, I'm talking about all of the all of the effects, but that world felt quintessentially Star Wars to me and mm-hmm. had never been there before. And that is an incredible feat. But I just really I, I fell in love with the place. The entire set all of the crew, the, the designing of it, and the, I would say the costumes were part of it. The prosthetics on the aliens, the Corrin looked amazing. The Mon mm-hmm. looked great. Um, just this, the lived-in feel of Star Wars that they were able to create for just a short glance at this planet. Um, it was just, once again, we got a, a taste of like why Mandalorian is so highly touted. Mm-hmm. Because of its ability to to place us in that world even for half hour or less than that and for us to feel like we're actually you know we're learning so and i i wish that we had had more time you know for me one of the things that would have made that better is for us to go to like i don't know a bazaar or something like that uh to see some traders to see more that would give us an insight into the culture um mm-hmm. like when you go in a video game trend you know you go and the first thing you do when you get go to a planet is you go check out the shops you know, oh yeah, yes, <laughs> that's the first you thing buy, you do. Yeah. So yeah, what, what what if there's anything that left you wanting more? What what would you have wanted out of the planet more? I, I definitely I definitely wanted to see more of like the civilization part. I mean, we got to see the the bar, and it was a little seedy. And then of course we got the the night scene, which you don't get to see very much there. And then you get the dock shots, uh, which which look really cool. But I I wonder. I wonder if there's any underwater stuff. Like, is there any underwater mm, dwellings, mm-hmm. that kind of thing? So, uh, yeah. what, if, what 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 do the Mon Calamari live like? Like, what's their yeah. dwellings look like? That would be really cool to see. If they're following legends at all, um, with any like, with, at least with how they construct the species background, Mon Cal, it was one of those things that they could. They had to first of all, they, their environment had to be very humid, but secondly, towards the end of their life they needed water more often because so, they was one of these, they could live in either one, but they needed the water towards the end. So they would have to build these tanks for Akbar to, to just float in for a while, essentially back to tanks, but with normal water. So it makes me wonder if maybe they have like a underwater place for their elderly here that, hmm. that, that would, I would like to see that maybe, but that's not really part of the story. So, yeah. Well, it's interesting, too, is thinking about the lizard people and the description that they could only survive or certainly their infants could only survive. Mm-hmm. Like it was only fit on this planet. So we didn't get why. We didn't get an explanation of that. And even when we saw where they live, like their house or their, I guess, an apartment, they could have just been staying in a little hotel. I don't know. But apparently he had made a home for them there. So it could have been. Anyway, I'm just curious what was the what was specific about this planet to them that they had to be there and why couldn't just be any other water world. I don't know. Um, but maybe that's not a question that we need to ask ourselves anyway. Oh, I've um, got one. It, oh, God, sorry. sorry. Mm. No, no, go ahead. I've got one more point that I thought this is a very distinct thought that came up when I was watching the, this, the scenes of this planet. And it's, mm-hmm. it's something that I probably will never experience, but you can just, uh, when you're watching this, you can just, smell the scene if you when when mm-hmm. you rewatch this yeah imagine what it would smell like there just like oh it's stinky yeah just yeah. terrible the, the squid yeah. yeah yeah and i was gonna say to nathan's point maybe it's because they needed to find a water planet that had a good economy because frogman's gotta have a job he's got the kids to take care of now <laughs> so you know this is this is the maybe this is the um the star wars version of north dakota just like zero unemployment he's gonna get a job 
So. Yeah. So that leads us to one of the things that Mandalorian has given us a lot of, and that is bar scenes. So mm-hmm. or or tavern scenes, and uh, seems like we can't get enough of them. Because just keep keep coming because they're all good. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we meet we meet another Mon Cala who his voice. I don't know who did the voice acting work. We can we can look it up, but uh, he he did a very good job. It sounded very kind of very similar to what we know of of them to sound like and uh the calamari flan the from episode mm, all the way back mm-hmm. all the way back in episode one a throwback to that currency and you're thinking hey you know he's running into a calamari guy he's using the right currency and everything i thought that would win him some points but apparently that guy betrayed him because he kind of handed him over to the corn who were gonna shake him down for his best car but um, what did you think of the little the little chowder bowl that had? And the second time I watched it, I noticed as he was filling it up from this like tube from the ceiling, mm-hmm. which who fills the, who has like soup in a tube from the ceiling that they pump out? I don't know. Um. Apparently, Moncala do. But uh, that the that the very end was when it it squeezed out the little kind of like squid creature that he ate. What was your reaction to that a creature like Jonathan? Is it as it? Like snapped under Baby Yoda's face, and, and well, then the one thing, what was the comment from from Mando when he said, "Don't don't play with your food," I was like, "He's not. The food's trying to eat him." Like, come on, man, come on. But um, but yeah, I was I was very sympathetic to to Baby Yoda at that moment. Um, uh, although it was just they're 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 they do such a good job of his facial expressions, and it's a puppet or part part puppet part. Uh, CGI, but it's just like, like I could feel him just looking at it, like touching the ball, being like, "Huh?" Like I was, there was like, one yeah, or that's... two moments where I could tell it was a puppet, but in this episode, anyway, um, and we'll, we'll talk about one of those when we get there later. But as far as like the comment <laughs> that Mando said of just don't play your, with your food, what what do you think about that? As far as writing it and diffusing tension or whatever. I thought let was, you know immediately you're not supposed to be worried about because <laughs> when he says that he's clearly he's just like <laughs> he didn't give a crap. I mean, Mandu's doesn't exactly have all the parenting down. So even though he thinks it's not harmful, I don't believe it's not harmful. Anything that could potentially be harmful to the baby, I treat as harmful because you don't want to touch nothing. No, you don't touch the baby, which we'll get to that later. But um, but yeah, I was I thought that was kind of funny. And also I was just like frustrated with him. He really they really I don't know if they'll introduce a mom like character. Maybe Gina Carano will fill that eventually. But they need to introduce a mom character because this single dad with Mando's not working out. Even the way he diffuses the little squid on his face with a knife. I was like, no, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, he got ate up. I mean, (laughs) as the tent, there's a couple of places where people eat like these squid creatures and like. Uh, even one of the Mandalorians later does, and like the tentacles still crawling along the side of her face as she does it, and there's like tentacles moving along Baby Yoda's face as he eats it. Um, I now I can eat a lot of stuff, but personally that would make me just like nope out so fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Trent, would you ever like? I don't know if if there was if there was something that was going to be still possibly moving, you'd be like, oh, it's dead. But sometimes there's, like, leftover stuff, and it's, like, crawling in your mouth. Would, would you ever even touch that stuff? Yeah, absolutely. I've eaten some gross stuff before, and I would not hes- <laughs> I would hesitate, but I would definitely still eat it. You would do yeah. it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mine would be twitching, and I'd be like, it's twitching because it's got my fork embedded in its nervous system. <laughs> there we go. Tr- you there know, when go. in Trask, you know, that's what... 
<laughs> when in on trance, trance. When in trance. Yeah. I would I would have to be hyped up if Trent I w- if we were there together you'd be like come on dude you got to try it you got to do it when else are you going to be able to chew it you got to do it man you're never going to be here again you got to eat it it's trash it's what you do you eat the squid okay so <laughs> moving on um, talk about and Jonathan when we did the trailer and we talked about these um, we had talked about the scene a little bit where they're on the boat. Where it looked kind of mm-hmm. like a like a ship that was repurposed into a boat, but mm-hmm. it turns out there's like tons of those with the same design. If, yeah. if if you when you paused going in, we saw like five or six of those at least, kind of like mm-hmm. just going ever going about their business. So and they just could have I don't know probably a fishing boat or something like that. But anyway, yeah. we saw from the trailer and um, the scene where he was actually underneath. Uh, kind of, it looked like a sewer grate in the trailer, mm-hmm. um, but but it turns out that it was on the boat. It was kind of like a belly of the boat where the, there's the sea monster caught. So I didn't actually catch that, but I had made some observations and predictions, which turned out to be, I think, pretty wrong. Um, yeah. Anyway, and, but that and scene in itself. Go ahead. I was going to say, how much of this they packed into the first three episodes is is the trailer? Like we still yeah. have a few shots with Carl Weathers and Gina Carano, but. Yes. So much of the this trailer is in this. So the more and more we get in, the more and more blind. Whereas we still had quite a bit of chapter eight um, in the first season trailer. There was still several because that's where the action shots were with all the, the stormtroopers. But we haven't, um, as far as I know, like I think 80 percent or From more the of, the trailer, trailer? Oh, of the trailer, yeah. the main trailer has been shown to us. So we really go, especially I mean, I don't think we've seen anything of the Ahsoka well, spoiler um, of the of the Soka episode when we get there. Yeah, but I, I I don't I think that that whatever that is, we're going to be totally blind going at, in. At this point, the only shots in the trailer we haven't gotten to. Correct me if I'm wrong, Trent, but there's the shots of the speeder bikes with the with the the troopers mm-hmm. on the speeder bikes, and where like Mando blasts off on a jetpack. Kind of, I'm not sure the planet name. Is there any other things besides that we haven't seen? Uh, so, I have not watched the trailer intentionally because I. Oh, uh, which you're you're fine. I I just I stayed away from anything that came up Mandalorian before the first episode aired. I stayed away from it. I was just like I even the trailer. I, it sounds silly, but I thought you know sometimes I can you know I can connect the dots from the trailer, and I don't even want to do that. I, that right. makes me surprised. So I couldn't even tell you honestly. Well, I I ended up texting you on on Friday, and I was like, hey, avoid spoilers at all costs, yeah. and you you had basically said yeah. But Jonathan and I had texted that same thing between us. Uh, Jonathan, when I woke up, the first thing I did is I opened up YouTube as I was getting ready for whatever, mm -hmm. and somebody had already posted a video, and guess what the title had? It had Bo-Katan in the uh, title. And uh, and I was like, dead, gum it, dead, gum it. (laughs) So you and I both had this spoiled for us. Like, me and you both, and and as much as I was, I mean, can you imagine just like ruining that for somebody, even unintentionally? Why would you do that? Don't title your YouTube videos something that's going to give it away. You know, if you're going to review it and post it really, really soon after, please like be conscientious that things that you say, or like even if you're posting an article like "Who's Bo Katan?" <laughs> if you do that the day after, people will be like. I hate you now. Why did you do that and ruin it for us? Even though you and I both knew, you know, that she was likely coming back. 
Um, mm-hmm. Jonathan, what were you going to say about, about being spoiled? Oh, well, it's just that, for one thing, I watched, when, and there's someone on YouTube, I won't out this person, but there was someone on YouTube that I watch every non-spoiler review video um, that they do as part of their channel. Um, they're not a specifically Star Wars channel. So he's never spoiled anything for me before. So I went in to a non-spoiler review, and then not only does he mention it, he pops up the picture, and I was just like, I facepalmed, and I was like, come on, man, come on. And now, in his opinion, because the title of the episode was The Heiress, he thought, that's not a spoiler. It's literally, it's like, yeah. Dude, but, that's the biggest spoiler. What is he thinking? Yeah, and then um, uh, also, it was just... Um, uh, in, in the images and other videos and I was doing a lot of homework on Friday afternoon and I go to YouTube to listen to music so I have to go to YouTube for music at least and so I saw other videos as well and so I was just like you know it's just it's 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 no longer you can no longer go on the internet without being spoiled now very unfortunately I've got a tip for anybody that may want to try to avoid spoilers on YouTube uh, instead of going to just the homepage of YouTube, because they'll recommend you Star Wars-related stuff because you have it in your history, mm-hmm. um, if you bookmark your history or if you bookmark your subscription, although you may be subscribed to some spoiler people, mm-hmm. uh, if you bookmark your history up for YouTube, it just takes you to videos you've already seen, and then you can get to the search bar up there. And It's still a gamble sometimes, you know, because if you search, you know, Mandalorian, especially right now, you're going to get spoiled with some thumbnails. <laughs> so... Uh, it's, yeah, it's a gamble. Mm. Make your own YouTube channel with like literally no Star Wars anything just <laughs> yes. <laughs> so just that you can music. still watch your recommendeds and stuff and have it <laughs> just for this time of the year and <clears throat> subscribe to everything else that you normally would. But yeah, no, that's, that's ridiculous. So <laughs> I wish, I wish that I hadn't been spoiled, but there was still some really good moments that we hadn't. You know that they, they were they were a little bit of a surprise to us, and uh, and I loved I loved those. So anyway, they're on the ship. They get um, basically at the very last second. Uh, you you see the, you see the child thrown in there. The corn kind of turns turns on him. He's he's all being casual, and he's like, "Oh, we're gonna steal your armor." Throws the child in. The, uh, the child like barely managed just to close his pot up in time, and then he gets swallowed by this. I didn't even really get a good look at the creature, but it looked great. It looked very very good quality. Anyway. Throw, you know, Mando jumps in. They close the gate after him, and then we have the moment, and we're we're seeing it from the perspective of looking up through the grate, mm-hmm. and uh, we see, you know, and of course Jonathan probably recognized it immediately. I recognized it immediately. I was like, "There's no, there's no mistaking that helmet." Mm-hmm. You know, that is exactly that is. It's so artistically beautiful that you know, and and I'll just go ahead and say this, guys, seeing the Mandalorians in action in Clone Wars or in Rebels and seeing them in action in live action, live action Star Wars TV mm. is totally different. Mm-hmm. And I'm just saying how much better it's, it's amazing to see him in Rebels. It's amazing and see him in Clone Wars, but in person or not, or in per- but in live action, it was everything I wanted and could have imagined and more. It was more better than just, I mean, what what were your thoughts about it, Jonathan? Would you would you just rank it as the best thing ever, or uh, would you have yes. complaints? I f- <laughs> well, I have to be objective and realize that 
connections in and of themselves do not make Star Wars great. So I will preface that. <laughs> Secondly, I will say that I, of course, watched the episode twice. I went back and watched the action sequence here about five or seven times um, because, A, I was looking for things, and two, I was just so into it. I was like, I'm going to go back. Okay, I'll go back. Keep going back. Um, right, and I right. noticed quite a lot. First of all, when I was in the group, and he hit Baby Yoda in there, I screamed. I went, no! And everyone else was like, I could hear the, <gasps> like, and, and someone else said, they wouldn't. Um, uh, and so, like, it got that audible thing. And I know other people had the same, same, th- same uh, Dude, reaction. So There's I was, no way. And I know, you have to know they're not going to do that. Come on. I know, they, but they're not supposed to be able to get you. Yes, there's people who watch that who are supposed to be like, "Oh no," but Jonathan, you know they wouldn't kill the baby off that way. That's I know, not gonna happen. This shows how good the show is. In the moment, I'm so invested that I feel like the child is real. So I'm like, "No, no, no, no." So first of all, secondly, the music. I mentioned there are two parts of the music that I just loved, and this was the music here. I. I don't know what instrument it was, but it was that boom, boom, and it was, and they just kept repeating it, and it was a very low sound, and I just thought it was perfect music for the action sequence. It was very menacing and kind of, um, you didn't know, like you knew it was Mandalorians, but at the time you didn't know, Um, which if you watch this scene with close captioning, they kind of spoil it. And they also did the first episode that I watched because when Bo-Katan says, um, don't worry, brother, we got this. When she still has her helmet on, the, the yeah. captions say Bo-Katan. And then it says what she's saying. Oh, and I see why to, they do that. Yeah. Whenever you introduce a character, you always, for close captioning, you always put what the name of that character is. It's just standard operating procedure. But in this type of a show, that in a, because you don't see the person's face, that's a spoiler. Um, yeah. So, but I knew from the helmet, her helmet is very distinctive and also because I was spoiled ahead of time. So I I knew it. But if you look at the fighting style, the way that she pulls out the, the knife, that's part of her, her wrist. And then the way that she first slashes and then stabs, it's the exact same slash and Mm. stab move Mm. that she uses in Mm. the Clone Wars. Mm. The 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 other the types of punches that they throw the way they throw them like it's the same type of action and later on when you see them using their guns or their blasters I should say in the ship they glow yellow with the blaster shots which is the same color that they do Mm -hmm. in Clone Wars and Mm -hmm. they make the same sound that they do in Clone Wars so the attention to detail is nuts here and I was just. Is that's why these were all the things I was a little noticing. I was just so into it. I was so happy with all that. Trent, stuff. let me ask you this real quick. Did yeah. you ever watch the Mandalorian Disney galleries? Um, kind of the the director interviews and all the cast interviews and stuff that they did. No, I haven't watched all of those yet. Unless that also okay. includes for season the, uh, one, like the way they did the first season. Is that does that include the same thing? Or is that different? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah all Disney galleries. Yeah, yeah, they did all, all for the first season. You didn't see any of those, though, did I, you? I saw the um, the ones where they were talking about the the set design, like how they do the the giant screen uh, with mm-hmm. with okay, yeah, engine, yeah, so. about the volume. Yes, so you you saw a few of them. anyway. Um, 
Jonathan, I cannot wait. And we reviewed the we reviewed each episode, mm-hmm. uh, Trent, and they were they were great. Or I think we we did like a few episodes per one. Mm-hmm. We did like one, two, three, four. But anyway, they're so so good, and I cannot wait for this episode for the one where they talk about this. And just like you said, Jonathan, for Filoni, and hopefully they'll get um, Katie Sackhoff. Oh, that'd to be, great. be there yeah. for her yeah. to be there and, and do and just be around the table and for her to be able to talk about what it was like to play. And we can't undermine this. This is hugely significant in the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. This is I mean, I mean, this is basically like e- even bigger to me than what you said earlier, Jonathan, with um, when we had a character from the books coming onto screen for the very first time. We get a character mm-hmm. from animation coming onto the screen for the first time. Yeah. And not only that, but it's played by the same actor mm-hmm. as the same, you know, as did it in the show. So you have a level of continuity that we didn't get with, um, uh, I lost his name, uh, from episode, uh, nine, um, who was wearing Boba Fett's armor. Oh, 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 no. oh, oh, um, Cobb Vanth. Cobb Vanth. Yes. <laughs> so with, with Cobb Vanth coming, yes, that's significant. It's awesome. Hugely significant. This, you know, we had Katie Sackhoff doing the voice and now doing the action. And, yeah, this is this is a major big thing for for I think for all the Star Wars Mm -hmm. fans out there who have paid attention to all the media or most of the media and to see characters brought into it is as I know something Jonathan loves to see. um, Trent, I don't know as much for you personally as far as like you've watched. I know you've watched the animated shows. Yeah. Did you feel the level of significance we're talking about? uh, Yeah. So even though I'm not like. I've seen the Clone Wars. I've watched them casually. I didn't pour over every detail because I always took... Well, this is before the um, a lot of the Disney stuff, but I just took them as like, oh, it's an easy way for them to tell some cool stories uh, very quickly with animation. But um, I, but I knew who Bo-Katan was, and I, so I jumped up and I was like, oh, that's Bo-Katan! And I paused it. I actually even paused it because my <laughs> wife was like, who's that? Who's that? I need to know. So I had to pause it and kind of... Which, you know, I don't know if we want to go over it uh, later, but her, Bo-Katan's history is... Uh, checkered and complicated, to say the least. No, go go ahead if you if you want to get delve into it right now. Well, so yeah. I, I, w- I went over that with my wife while it's paused, like she's on the boat with her helmet off, and that, I paused it. So we're just sitting there talking about her. Um, but yeah, I, I did have to read up some before the episode today, just because because it is so checkered. I mean, she's she's not an angel, as uh, to quote from someone else that I heard talking about her. Um, <laughs> And your casual watcher may not know that. Like, if this is somebody's first time seeing Bo-Katan, they think, oh, she, you know, she just saved him. And, yeah, there was some deal-altering later on, but she seems like a pretty straightforward person. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, she just, I mean, she did some work with Darth Maul, with Pre Vizsla, and uh, she, yeah. her and her sister were, you know, at odds with, her sister was a pacifist. She definitely is not a pacifist. So anyway, very interesting background with her. Um, but she definitely is a, a memorable character from the Clone Wars. So when she came on screen, now I will say I didn't recognize her, the paint job on her helmet. That's the kind of details that I don't notice as much. But it's mm-hmm. undeniable mm-hmm. When, when you have that red hair, you're like, oh, yeah, that's Bo-Katan. So. And that's partially part of my problem with this. That is my, like, my biggest problem with this episode is that she looks in this episode the same age or maybe just slightly older than she does in the Clone <laughs> yeah. Wars. And this is, by my math, 28 years later. It's between the Clone Wars and Episode 4 is 18 years. 
and then between episode four and episode uh, six is four, and then between episode six and this is six. So that's eight, uh, 28 <clears> years. <throat> so it's like, yeah, it's like she should have some gray in her hair. And I and the reason that they <laughs> didn't do that was because they want the audience to recognize her, and so they need to make it as obvious as possible that this is Bo Katan. So I kind of forgive them in that aspect, and is, I realize um, Star Wars aging is a bit I, different. But I'm like, and I heard a, a was, I heard a female's perspective on this, and I I won't say that I'm an expert on de aging uh, tactics. But so apparently, one way to tell the age of someone, especially if someone wears a lot of makeup, is you see it in their neck, which Bo-Katan has kind of a turtleneck on, so you can't see it there. Mm, and that's true. Uh, one of the biggest contributing factors to aging is uh, sun damage. And if you're wearing a helmet, you don't have sun damage. So hmm. there's there's some hand waving you can do. Of course, there's probably like yeah. really good makeup in Star Wars. I don't know, but <laughs> um, but anyway, it's to me it's not a huge as a deal. But again, I'm not like I'm not super big on the chronological timeline. There's been a big jump. And Jonathan or Nathan, how many years has it been since we last saw her? Well, we saw her in Rebels right. for and, very briefly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think. The time period of Rebels was... About a year and a half, two two years ahead of Yeah, a year and a half, two, ahead of episode Uh, four. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that would make it about 12 years ahead of this. Um, And she looked the same then as well. Yeah, 12 years, that's a big jump to not change. Now, who was she the younger sister or the older sister? She was the younger sister. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, but here's the the weird part, like... Obi-Wan looks like an old man <laughs> in episode four. However, <laughs> he's an old they, man. They and ex- he was he was dating the older sister of Bo-Katan. They well, do kinda. explain that in uh, the Kenobi novel, uh, that the reason that Ken- uh, Kenobi ages so much is because when you have two sons, uh, two sons attached to me, when you have two sons uh, uh. beating down on you, it like it doesn't just double the aging process. It more than doubles the aging process. And secondly, he for a long while, for like a couple of months in the novel does not wear a hood. Cause he doesn't know better. So then they're like, man, you're aging fast. And he's like, what? And they're like, are you not wearing your hood? And he's like, am I supposed to be? Mm. <laughs> so getting- that's, that's, that's at least the Kenobi answer, which is legends. But that's that's one reason why he he ages so much. You mentioned I want to get to this though. You mentioned Nathan the big deal. This I think to me isn't as big a deal for two reasons. One of the reason is because I'm a huge book person, and so I was so excited for Cobb Vanth and this and the TV show. And I love Clone Wars. I've watched it so many times, and I've rewatched Rebels as well. But I'm more of a book person. And secondly, because Dave Filoni, who created the Clone Wars and Rebels, is a part of this. So he's just borrowing from himself, which is not a big jump. Whereas he took something that wasn't his from the books. So that shows he's paying attention to other people's stuff. And But, but, but this whole conversation needs to be shown is that for the longest time, for, for 50 years, if you have a movie or TV show and there are books or comics or something tertiary, even toys or whatever, they never cross-pollinate because, um, uh, oh, that's just the books and stuff. That's, that's, that's not real storytelling. People aren't going to understand if we include this stuff in there. So that's, there's been this kind of a, um, a subclass between the two. Whereas 
Now with Star Wars, because of the way they're handling things, there is, that class no longer exists, and they're able to mesh the two. So we finally feel like they're inviting the ki- the kids in the back of the bus up to the kids <laughs> uh, uh, to join the kids in the front of the bus. Which I'm sure Nathan, you understand that metaphor. <laughs> so well. Because yeah, you're on, you're on buses quite a bit with your band students. <laughs> it, right, it feels right, like it's right. more like we're inviting the AP uh, students, the adva- the advanced intelligence students, out on the playground to play. And <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good that is a good um, comparison. I, I like that. Uh, that's how I always so see I, the book. I always see the book readers as people who are like way more intelligent than me in the Star Wars universe. So no, I'm like, not. hey, you recognize this person? They're like, you don't even know how the depth that I know this person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I I had kind of two thoughts, and maybe that'll kind of get us going in the next direction. Um, the first one was really that that Bo-Katan to me um, is as and it's, this is kind of odd because. This is a show that takes right, right place right after kind of the original trilogy, um, but to me, she's a sequel or a prequel character. Uh, mm-hmm. She is a prequel character to me, even though she's firmly grounded in the end of Episode Three through kind of Rebels, and that's the time period we see her. So she's kind of the very, very tail end of the pre- of the prequels. But to me, she's a prequel character. So tying her in to this to the Mandalorian, it's a very strange feeling to me. Mm-hmm. Because tying in a character that would be, um, you know, for example, Chewbacca, were Chewbacca to appear in Mandalorian, that would feel to me more, even though he did appear in prequels briefly in episode three, you know, he would feel like he belonged there a lot more to me. And so there was initial like, holy crap, is this like, is this real um, moment? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't know if you felt that, Jonathan or Trent, either one of y'all. Did y'all feel that? Mm-hmm. No, you, you go ahead, Trent. It, it definitely, it, it felt really awesome to see all that come together. I think, Jonathan, you mentioned a second ago about the timelines just connecting. And it's just, it's really good to see that. I, I've always felt there's so many fandoms with disconnect and seeing, seeing all these come together just felt really, really good. And so, and, and there's not a lot of franchises you can do that with. And Star Wars mm-hmm. is definitely ripe for that. Yeah, and I would say, I, I just... I felt that, but especially this goes to the communal thing. I had the friends that I watched season or the, the final season of Clone Wars with, I watched it in their, their bedrooms with them is the same friends Ooh. that I'm watching this with. Ooh. So we all together felt the exact same feelings of the, yeah, yeah. So, um, this, it's, this is, uh, what's the phrase it's always better with friends or something like that like it's just it's so good to feel this especially with the podcast we're able to talk with people and it's not just me kind of like when I read books at home and I read something really cool I tell my parents or someone about it and they're like "Eh, we we don't know we never read the book so I have no one to share it with and so this is so much fun to be able to share it with people yeah I, I love the connection, but I just thought it was because it was prequels that it was a little bit to me. It was real, a little jarring, but it makes sense, though. Um, so here's my other point, and this ties back into your next one, and this will lead us in the, in the discussion, John. But as you were mentioning about um, Cobb Vanth a second ago and his inclusion, 
um, the way that they used him, that Favreau wrote him into the series, mm-hmm. he established and kind of reminded the cast about the mask thing or the, the helmet thing, showing your face thing. And we see an example and we see him confronted and, yep, he's not a Mandalorian. And we see this paid off two episodes later with real Mandalorians. So it was brilliant the way that they wrote him and in the, in the inclusion of the time that they did to set up this exact conversation about okay, you're not a real Mandalorian, because the second after he meets them, they, he says thank you, and then they take their hats off. Or they're not their hats. They <laughs> takes their, takes their, <laughs> it's the polite thing to they do. They take their awesome, <laughs> awesome engraved real Mandalorian Beskar authentic helmets off. And, of course, Din John's like, you know, immediately his tone changes. And, uh, you know, you get a comment, and I don't remember the name. Uh, do you, was it Axe? Was the he was the guy, Mandalorian, that was with her in the Night Owls. Is that right? Axe, Axe Woves? Is that correct? I didn't, I didn't okay. catch all the names of the, the other two. Yeah, they didn't say their names. I had to watch the subtitle to get it. But one was Axe and the other was Casca. Casca, um, yeah. She, she was the one in the cloak that we saw looking at him earlier. Anyway, Axe is like, he's like, hey. Or he says, oh, you're one of them. <laughs> and when and you see it cause the second time, especially when I was watching it, Bo-Katan, she's like, oh, yep. He's one of them. And she knows. But they, this is the thing about Bukatan. She literally, she knows all the Jedi. She knows all the main characters. She's met Yoda. She's met, like, Obi-Wan, Anakin. She knows these people. She knows Darth Maul. She knows, like, all these characters. She's connected to big-name characters, people that the audience knows and is familiar with. She, so she's almost like we are. She's almost coming at it with, like, all this background knowledge, whereas contrast that with Din Djarin, who he knows nothing. He doesn't know who the Jedi are. He doesn't know anything at all. So we get this huge contrast, and immediately she she calls out, and we get one of the biggest answers that you and I have been talking about, Jonathan, which is the contrast of what really is the the mindset of the Mandalorian, like this this that he's been raised in the cult, the or you would, she calls it a zealous cult, like a religious cult almost. That's what she calls it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that it's uh, descended from Death Watch, or she just calls it the Watch, right? Mm-hmm. What happened to the Watch after kind of, you know, the, the you know, you had kind of Maul take over as he, uh, you know, Guy Saxon, he pushes him out of the way. Maul becomes the leader, right? The de facto. And then I guess the Emperor comes in. And what happened to the Watch after that? Well, we're not really sure. Um, mm-hmm. this, is that, this, is that this right? Provides, well, um, uh, we know that basically. So Maul had his faction, and then you have Bo-Katan with her faction. And right, as far they split as off. you know, yes. you, she, she controls them up through the Clone Wars and even beyond um, into uh, Rebels. So I find it highly unlikely that the Watch stemmed from her side. I get the understanding that it stemmed from the Darth Maul side of it, even though yes. they're not wearing in the, the flashback scenes, they're not wearing the red armor. Um, they're just mm-hmm. Maul, Maul DeLoreans that wear the, the normal armor. Um, <laughs> that's what I've seen them called. <laughs> that's so great. Going with that's that. Great. But, but I was going to briefly touch on the, my biggest problem with the first season was the, the whole Mandalorian culture, because this was, it wasn't exactly like, the old Legends EU, like not just Legends, but like the starting of it. it, it was the really early stuff. And it seemed more like that and less to fit into canon. And part of it is, well, this is live action. They can do what they want. But this goes into that, right. well, you don't really care about your other aspects of your storytelling. At least that's what I thought. Because 
you just say, well, I'm going to do this with my series, and they say, all right, you, you're the moneymaker, you go do this, they'll, they'll adjust later on. So I thought we were going to get the answer in, like, another animated series or something else. So the fact that we got the answer in this series, I was very pleased with. Um, A shows that Dave Filoni really does have quite a lot of influence, um, uh, and B it shows that there th- 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 this is not a I write this script down really quickly, hand it off, we shoot it. It's not an Aaron Sorkin script. This is a we write the script, we look at it, we make sure every single line of dialogue would make sense in the universe, and every single aspect of the background fits. So this this and- very much mi- just makes me happy. Everything that Dave is involved in will have that consistency mm-hmm. because that's what he brings to the table, man. Isn't yeah. that great? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> well, we, we're, we're talking about it, but you hit on all the points. You know, they brought up in the beginning questions, you know, and, and I actually saw some tweets this past week where people were like, oh, they're not real Mandalorians. They still think they're not <laughs> Mandalorians. Like, don't wear the helmet. You're not a real Mandalorian. You got to wear that all the time. <laughs> And you just shake your head at those at those people, and you're like, um, okay. I mean, she did say that she was royalty, or she was part of the she was the last of her line, but she was descended from, you know, the rulers and the ruling line of Mandalore. Even the um, fandom is that was an the fandom has been splintered because this is their first introduction. So, right, mm. right. But the show is taking the time to address the question: Why, you know, or what is this split off group of Mandalorians, and why do why do they have to wear their masks when nobody has before them? And, you know, like a question that some people were probably asking themselves two episodes ago was, ooh, we saw Boba Fett's face. Well, you know, does he let other people see his face? Or, you know, what's he going to do about the facing thing? No, the point is, like, that's not even an issue. That's not even a question, except if you're in that one, the watch kind of group of Mandalorians. Isn't that right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of the point, the overall point there is what I'm thinking. Um, what do you think about their comments? They briefly talked about the planet of Mandalorian. Din Djarin's like that planet's cursed. Um, yeah. Did you have any thoughts about that, Jonathan or, or Trent? Go ahead, Jonathan. It makes me hope that we're going to see Mandalore yeah. by, in this season. Or maybe not in this I should that. Not in, in this series. season. I think it's going to be the end of the, in the series, I should say. It's going to be, I think, I made a prediction in the last episode, and I am holding to it. This show is going to end with Din Djarin taking the dark saber and becoming the mandalore mm-hmm. on Mandal- on on uh, on mandalore he's going to like take up the old uh uh the old legends title of the mandalore or something like that like bogatan is i don't know if she's going to die or she's going to retire or something but i don't think she's going to i don't think she's going to get the she's going to get the dark saber but i think she's going to hand it off and be like i'm I'm too old for this crap. You take over. And he's going he's gonna to become Mandalore. That's my, like, whatever is the final episode, that's my final episode prediction. But I'm, this made me hope, mm, maybe we can see Mandalore by the end of the show. I will say that I do, I mean, in a way it's cursed, and maybe that's just, like, it, 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 it may <laughs> seem cursed just because of the strife that it's faced. And also, uh, what, like, what it looks like now as opposed to before Order 66. Right. Um, or before the Purge, even. So uh, it'd be cool to see where, where it's gotten to now after a few years. Um, but and, and to Jonathan's point, we have seen Bo-Katan refuse the Darksaber before. So even though she's gung-ho about right. it right now, something may happen. Even if it's not death, it could be a, a, you know, a philosophy change. Uh, and she decides 
even though I don't look old, maybe I am too old for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, a live action view of Mandalore would just be eye candy for every Star Wars fan. <laughs> um, you know, it would just be so great. But I do have a problem, and that is I don't want to see the show become a kind of Rebels-like mm-hmm. arc or Clone Wars-like arc where it's like, let's help Bo-Katan take back leadership of Mandalore. I don't want to see the, see the show become that. And we don't need to take that path. That's going to get us away from what the Mandalorian has done, what the show is about. Um, what the show is about is really this journey of the two main characters, which we talked about last episode. Almost everything we've seen, with the exception of maybe one or two small sh- uh, uh, just shots here or there, has been from the first-person perspective of the Mandalorian. Um, the show follows him. It follows Din Djarin, so it would feel odd to me, even even though as much as I want to see the B-plot stuff action, um, even though we talked about that, kind of I wanted or mm-hmm. sometimes we need that. I don't know if that's the direction we need to go. So that leads us to just, I guess, a question, because she mentions, well, we may get ahead of ourselves if we talk about the Ahsoka stuff yet. I guess we should finish talking about where they go next, shouldn't mm-hmm. we? Yeah. <clears throat> so what they do next, uh, they show up... Uh, basically at night to, to, to kind of ambush Din Djarin. And uh, after he had basically brushed them off, it's not too long after that, he just drops in and uh, as, as soon as, like, he's... I guess it's nighttime on the docks. And all these Korans are like, oh, you, you killed my brother. <laughs> like, well, that's what happens when you, you know, you attack somebody. And Baby Yoda. Sometimes self-defense, and Baby they get, Yoda. They get if you, killed. If, if you attack Baby Yoda, <laughs> story-wise, <laughs> you must die. You, you cannot live. So, requirements. So. It's a requirement. Anyway, they that's that's when the the three the three Mandalorians the, you know they they pop back in they help up and of course uh, Bo is just like uh, he didn't kill your brother I did, <laughs> which was, of course she, she's pretty bad and uh, <clears throat> anyway quick firefight she tells them the plan hey I'll, I'll give you the information if you help us so they go and um, I guess it shows them kind of like chilling they're like on top of the Razor Crest like just. Laying like <laughs> like mm-hmm. just like feet propped up, almost like you'd be like listening to country music, looking at the stars with your girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> I got I, I got that exact same vibe. You know, it, which it was a cool, it was a very really cool shot, and we all feel that glamour kinda, shot. Feel that yeah. vibe. They're just kind of <laughs> yeah. It's like I wonder what their playlist was on as they're just kind of chilling that night. But anyway, they they're talking about the plan, and then um, they're they're so basically the next thing we see is they go and they ambush this. Uh, um, it's an imperial transport ship, and the way I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, Jonathan. They they had been confiscating, or with the profits, or with whatever they had from Mandalore, they had got these weapons, which they the Empire had gotten these weapons through their ill got ill gotten gain, whatever. And so Mandalorians are taking them back. Is that correct? They had been bought and traded through. Uh, either money that they had got from the planet of Mandalore or something like that. Is that is that the way that you understood it? I was trying to I watched her say that line twice. I understood it that in in the the purge they they plundered Mandalore and um, uh, they took all the stuff and so this is just them coming to take it back again and use and turn those weapons back on the empire is, is what I understood okay. that that seemed to be um, okay. So we get, you know, from then on, we get one of the best action sequences Mm -hmm. that you could possibly design. You have a ship 
<laughs> flying. And this is this is where this is where we would always talk about. Yeah, you can do that in an, in animation, but I don't know if you could do that in live action. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. you did. This is amazing. You saw them fly up, and the shot of the the shot of the transport, like where you see it from the back, and the the screen is centered on it, and you see these four engines, which is just a classic Star Wars thing, is to mm-hmm. see from the back and like see the engines and the flame. That's just such a classic Star Wars thing to always see that, and then you see the four, you know, Mandalorians just jetpacking towards it, mm-hmm. and, and you're just like, oh, this is awesome. And uh, so they get up to it and they they start going to town. And one of the, I mean, I'd already seen them in contact or in combat, but my gosh, how quickly they moved in these armors! It it just portrayed to me one thing: like they are well trained, super super well trained, and how fast they're moving. Almost like it was a contrast to how the Mandalorians, who they seemed a little clunky, even though I would say the the armor was like. A beast with how mm-hmm. she took out some of the some of the, but these this was more refined style. Like she was like smashing stormtrooper helmets with like an axe or a hammer, whereas Bo-Katan had this like vibro dagger, and she's just going to town like stab stab, quick movements. Like it was very agile style, like Ichani kind of training. Um, anyway, I've been talking for a minute about this scene, but like Trent, just go go to town talking about what you loved about that scene. Oh man, it was it. You're right. The visuals are cool to see the the four of them dart up to that ship, and they gave good reason. Sometimes the setup for these kind of action events are not very um, stable, but it feels like everything mm-hmm. in this in the Mandalorians, uh, but especially this particular scene, is grounded in some reality. Like this is a no wake zone, so don't turn your you can't like launch from here. So they're going slow. There's a reason for that. There's some regulations that they're trying to follow. They don't set the rules because they're the Empire. You know, they're, or they're not the Empire as much anymore. So anyway, uh, and it gives them a chance to sneak on the ship. So the setup is good. The tension is awesome. And it's, it's just it's fun because, you know, the, I think what you say his name was Axe. He says they couldn't hit the broadside of a Bantha. So you know <laughs> that there's not going to be a lot of danger here. Um, or it doesn't feel that way, but it still feels like, oh, they're going to kick butt, and they do. Um, and um, you, there's, there, the Imperial officers are always fun to watch because they're, they're not wearing helmets or masks, and you can see their facial expressions, and you can kind of see them flounder and, or panic a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And it's fun because we get to see that. So uh, I, I love that. And we get to see uh, Jen have a little... Uh, death wish again little scene which was fun uh and he says cover me and then they don't <laughs> like or they tried to but it's like not very much um yeah. yeah and i wondered if they were kind of surprised by maybe that's like the the cult's zealous way to battle you know um and the and bo-katan and her uh i guess for lack of better uh group name the night owls uh, I wonder if they're like, is he? Oh, like they're just so shocked they forget to cover him because he just runs out. <laughs> so there's some cool little moments like that. I just, I enjoyed every bit of it, all the way up to the quip or the the comedic timing at the end when the the doors open up and it's like, <laughs> of course. Where are you? Where did you trap them again? <laughs> yeah, in the cargo control panel room. <laughs> and then they're gone. <laughs> Although yeah, the com- part of me wonders comedy. how did just, how did mm. they all get sucked out these these big humans? Well, the, but this yeah, little look- but but the little mic uh, the, the the communicator did get sucked. I out. thought about the mic. I was like, yeah, I don't know. How. 
Because she, she may, may, maybe she was just, you know, found one. It was on their channel. I don't know. Maybe. But I saw, I was like, okay, the cargo has got to be bolted down or something mm-hmm. or magnetized. Obviously. I'm like, okay, so that's not going to blow out. It's going to suck the people out. But how did that little, you know, communicator device survive? <laughs> I don't know. But, but still, as a whole, I mean, that's a very small detail. To, to to get wrong or something like that, and as you were talking about with like the fact that they talked about the ship, it can't go because it's a no wake zone or something. Like they're putting so much thought into this, and this is a put it all together a four hour series that they make every single year. Whereas right. you have the movies, uh, even even the prequels. I mean, the prequels had a little bit more detail in my opinion than the sequel trilogy, but even the prequels and the sequels did not have the same attention to detail and accuracy no. that, that no. this has. And so I'm just, I'm very impressed by that aspect of it. Um, also, the, the Imperial commander who's in charge, he's one of those, and I had looked at his name up on IMDb ahead of time, and I forgot it again, but he's one of those guys that I see him in so many projects, but he has such a small role, I never remember what I've seen him in. So I was like, it, oh, it's, it's, it's that guy, it's that guy. Um, <clears throat> the only thing mm. I really remember him from is Voyager and Argo. And I don't even remember who he plays in Argo. Um, but he's, he's in Star Trek Voyager for two episodes. Um, so he's, he, I, I do like him as an actor. I just don't see him. I don't, he does, he's never long enough for me to remember him. Mm. That, that scene, once they're in the cargo hold and they're talking, um, as soon as she's like, we're not, we're not dumping this cargo. Mm. We're taking this whole ship. And, and Din John's like, what now? What did you say? How many of you guys? And, and how many of you have, said the line? Pray I don't mm-hmm. alter it further. Pray I don't alter it further. Yes. All, yes. As soon yes, as she said, said that, we said it yeah, too. I'm altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. I think and, they knew that would have been too on the yeah. nose. <laughs> that would have been something to do in Clone Wars. They wouldn't do that here. Yeah. There, so there's two. The first time. She says to him, this is the way there's like, it's just dripping with sarcasm and mocking him so much. Like you altered the deal. You changed the terms. This is the way (laughs) (laughs) it's just, it's just like, Oh man, she just smacked him in the face. Mm -hmm. But at the end, which I think the first firefight that they get into, you know, he, I guess he does, he throws out the smoke, the smoke grenade kind of, and then they, they use their heat vision to fight their way through the first group. But like the second group, that's the one where he literally just risks everything when they're, they're running the ships going up into space and they have to like, they have to hurry. And then the ship's going down (laughs) and they're, they're like, it's going, it's going to be crashed. And then they're, they're hurrying even more. And that's when he totally risks his life, goes out there, takes two grenades or frag grenades, whatever they are, throws them at the guys and uh, because they're pinned down and he risks everything. At that point is when I think he won the respect of Mm -hmm. Bo-Katan because the next time that she says it, it's from a, it's from a different place. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not, it's not mockingly. It's, it's uh, in regards to her helping him out. Um, So anyway, that, that whole, that whole fighting scene, it was paced really well. We had really two action sequences with a small break in between and uh, the whole time they're going down, you're, you know, you've got um, Koska, one of the Mandalorians. She's like ten thousand feet, nine thousand feet as they're plummeting. You know, she's keeping an eye on things, so you get a you get a feel for where they're at and how much time they have. Um, and you so see, you really feel the tension. There was a great job of feeling the right amount of tension in the, as they're kind of in that in the danger there. <clears throat> um, so, anyway, you get to the you get to the scene. Oh, we didn't talk about Gideon. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about talk about the Gideon shot for a second, Jonathan. Well, the, first the first one. Yeah, first of all, it was that was cool getting to see Gideon, and also makes you remember. Oh yeah, this guy's still important because for the more casual fans, they might f- kind of forget or it's not as ingrained in their mind. Secondly, they used the same theme for him and for when the ship's nosediving that they use in Chapter 8 for Moff Gideon. So it's, it's very uh, consistent uh, music, mu- musically. Um, uh, and when he says, long live the Empire, I was just like, yeah, long live... Oh, wait, I shouldn't oh, be no. saying that. But still, long live the Empire. <laughs> So I, I thought that Gosh. was very good. Yeah, and I mean Gideon is he is he plays a lot of the same type of characters, but he is so just he's super serious and dedicated. He just oozes like in you know intensity and intimidation. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know this captain when he, he basically turns and shoots his uh, his pilots and his co-pilot, and he's like I'm, I'm gonna take this thing down. Like you get a sense that I mean the Empire is still. To the point where they're like, no, we'll abandon this ship, all the troopers, even the captain and the pilots. We're abandoning mm-hmm. them uh, just to prevent our, imp- you know, our enemies from getting what they want. Like, we're not going to, we're not so desperate as we need resources that badly that we're going to come send you aid at this point. Um, mm-hmm. At least that's what I took from it is that, you know, Gideon is, he's not desperate. He's not concerned by this at and that all. And o- that officer you know, doesn't he's, hesitate he's either. He's like... Okay. Yep. No. Yeah. I'll crash this ship now. Yeah, man. He take he he takes his own life later on with mm-hmm. that. I guess it must have been a tooth thing. I, I kept thinking to myself, I was like, ooh, better not eat ribs too much. <laughs> Oop. It, it reminded, Accidentally. <laughs> it reminded me of uh, Captain America uh, when the guy says Hell Hydra, um, but also when he says, you know, when he's telling him to scuttle the ship. It it reminded me really of the first Pirates movie where the officer questions him and he's like. We are going to sh- uh, fire on our own ship. And he says, I'd rather see her at the bottom of the ocean than in the hands of a pirate. And that's how I feel Moff Gideon is. He's like, I'd rather see the sh- sh- we- us lose all these resources than to see the, the Mandalorians rise or something. So I thought it was that was pretty cool. So we get to that ending shot kind of scene where Bo-Katan finally mentions. And we're going to... This is the point we get to finally talk about her. So she's like... <coughs> On the planet of Corvus, you'll find a city, a city of Kaladin, and there you'll find the, the probably the last Jedi, that, uh, <laughs> the last Jedi. You'll play, as far as she knows, uh, maybe the last Jedi, Ahsoka Tano, and this is where we get confirmation that I, w- I would say at this point, Jonathan, it's it's basically a hundred percent confirmed <sighs> yeah. that we'll get to see. We'll get to. I mean, I know that we want to say ninety nine point nine, but this is 100%. They mentioned her by name. We're going to see Ahsoka Tana. And not might not be next week. Now, people might be, like, disappointed if they don't see her next week. But, you know, we're going to see Ahsoka Tano at some point. I feel mm-hmm. like that's a 100% now. Uh, Trent, are you on board oh, with that? You, are you yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ahsoka Tano is one of the Jedi that... I, th- I think I mentioned it last time I was on. I'll, I've always had an affinity for, like, the, the concept of the gray Jedi... And if anybody fits that bill right now, it's probably her. Mm-hmm. Well, she's more like a white Jedi because she's Ahsoka the yes. White, not Ahsoka <laughs> the Grey She came anymore. back in white robe. <laughs> <laughs> the last time we see her. That was purposeful. He even said it on his Twitter that like he was evoking she had that the staff. in purposely. Because she had yeah. the staff. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. Um, he was, yeah. he, 
that was very purposeful. He's even drawn pictures of Gandalf sitting next to Yoda talking Aww. and having conversations. Like, it's, that's the type of thing Dave Filoni does. He's a huge LOTR fan. But um, uh, with that, I'm still apprehensive about Ahsoka coming back because all the... So, first of all, I have to ask, Trent, did you know there was the potential that we could get in ah- Ahsoka in this series? I didn't know there was a potential we could get her in this series. I knew that she... her in, like. There was. Do you remember the the, the trailer for um, the Rise of Skywalker when all the ships come back? People were speculating. Mm-hmm. Oh well, Ezra's going to be in the ship, and Ahsoka Tano is going to be there, or yeah. you know, all these people. So ever since then, I thought, well, you know, there's all these characters, yeah, that haven't died yet, and Ahsoka Tano is one of them. Mm-hmm. I didn't know when she was going to show up, and it, it caught me by surprise. I didn't think that she was going to come up in this series at all. So, mm-hmm. well. I'll say that Nathan and I, we pay attention to when, like, Deadline or Hollywood Reporter, and they say, breaking news, Rosario Dawson is going to be um, uh, Ahsoka Tano. And first of all, I facepalmed because I was like, first of all, it's not news. You can't break it. You can. It's only news if Lucasfilm breaks it. Otherwise, it's rumors because we don't have an official comment yeah. or something. But second of all, it was... Uh, it's not Ashley Eckstein. I don't know how I feel. Like at least with this, we got <laughs> we got um uh uh what's why am I blanking on her name? The actress's name, um, the Bocatano actress. Yeah, the Bocatano actress. Oh yeah. Um, oh, Katie Sackhoff. Katie yeah. Sackhoff, of course. Katie Sackhoff. Yeah. We got Katie Sackhoff, which by the way, she is in the Flash. She plays Amunette. She's hilarious. I I I would go back and just rewatch all her episodes. She's hilarious. But anyway, um, we got her. So it's like, if you can get that actress, why can't you get just put makeup prosthetics on um, Ashley Eckstein? She could totally do Ahsoka, and I guarantee you 100% she would do she it d- if they she offered it She does cosplay, to her. I think, of Ahsoka Tano. Yeah, she, she's, she's done cosplay, all that stuff. So I don't really? know why they mm. haven't in, invited her to do that yet. Um, so if it is Rosario Dawson, I still have a hope that it's going to be voiced by Ashley Eckstein, but that would kind mm-hmm. of be weird to see a different actress, but hear a, another, another voice. Yeah. So, we talked about that and I, and I'm with you. I, I, I would cringe or not cringe. I would like shiver with like, I would get goosebumps to hear Ashley Eckstein's voice come mm-hmm. out of who, if it's Rosaria who playing, that's fine. But to hear her voice in live action, you know, yeah. oh, and like I, we, I would, I, I would go nuts, but and, yeah, and there's a potential that Rosario Dawson could sound just like. So it, it will still feel like we're hearing Ashley's voice. Maybe they may get. Yeah, it I'm sure that she'll close. model it. And I mean, I mean, with Dave, he's gonna he's gonna do those things to keep it consistent. He's already done everything else. He's he's never given us reason to doubt. And he mm-hmm. he was the one who created the character of Sokotano. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know he's gonna have that, and he's he's so involved. Most likely, I would. I would guess that he would be like, this is my episode I'm going to direct, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if well, he was going to pick one, he would probably pick that one. Um, and I, and I, should, I should point out that we now know the director's schedule for at least the next few episodes, and we know the writing schedule. So episode ah, I haven't four, seen that. Epi- Go ahead. Well, do you want me to spoil it, or do you want it to be a surprise? Well, just tell me, I mean, which, who's directing what episode? Okay. That's not too big of a school. So, so Carl Weathers is directing episode four, and then... Okay. Dave's directing and writing episode five. And then, ah, I knew it. So it's not then, next episode. It's the episode yeah. after that. And then Rick <laughs> Famuyiwa is writing and directing episode six. 
And then we don't know who seven or eight are directed by. We know they're both written by. Um, no, I take that Favreau. back. No, I, I, I take it back. Episode seven is written and directed by Famiyua. Um, uh, it's six and eight, sorry. Six and eight that are um, written by Favreau. And I don't know. We, we know that Robert Rodriguez is doing is directing one of them, but we don't know whether it's six or eight. But the point is that Carl Weathers has the next episode. So I highly like one hundred like ninety nine point nine nine percent doubt Ahsoka is going to show up in the next episode. Yep. If she yep. does, it's going to be like. The Force Awakens type the thing. The very where, la- yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, be Luke you see at him the very end, yeah. Exactly. So, but I, I do think it's going to be in Dave's. I mean, he created her. He's not going to pass. He's not going to be like, nah, I don't want that one. Well, and I heard <laughs> that also makes me curious if Carl Weathers would be in the episode he directed, because we haven't had him or Gina Carana yet mm-hmm. to reappear in in season two. I wonder if. I wonder if they will wait. They might. They might not come back until episode six at this point. Then, if that's if if we're holding true to that to that schedule, I, I'm just curious. Um, I heard. Go I, ahead. I heard somebody say that like, or oh, they say, oh, that could that might be perceived as being selfish. Like, oh, of course you're going to wait till you're. Are you going to set yourself up to direct that episode? But he's earned it, and like Mm-mm. you said, Nathan, it's oh, yeah. like it's his creation. Or he, he Ahsoka's, by all intents and purposes, his and and a lot of the fans' eyes. So, yeah. And it's also yeah. why John Favreau directed the first episode. One, it's a premiere, and premieres always get a lot more attention than the rest of the episodes. And secondly, it was epic. It was huge. It was movie level. Like it was almost a movie. Like it was that close. Yeah. Just make it a little bit longer. Yeah. It's a short movie. So that's why he chose that one. So you, you, there's no, there's nothing selfish really going on. It's just how how this television stuff works. Well, let me tell you a bit of speculation that I'll have just from a writing perspective, okay? Thinking ahead to Ahsoka, and I don't know how they'll meet her, what the context will be, but <clears throat> if... Now, right now the mission is what? Find the Jedi. Why? Well, because we think that the child belongs with the Jedi. Or, I mean, like, surely in the back of his mind, Din Djarin is considering, am I supposed to leave this child with the Jedi if I find him? What will I do if I find the Jedi? Am I going to just get advice from them or what? I don't understand. Like, he, he's got to be thinking about that. And maybe that question hasn't been asked on screen yet, but that needs to be something that they're going to put in, into our minds in a, you know, from now. If the child were to stay with Ahsoka, that would drastically change the dynamic of the show, right? Breaking up the Mando-child duo is very unlikely. Like, as a permanent way, anyway. They might split them up, like, for a little while, um, the way that they did in episode three of season one, chapter three, when he went after the child, he leaves him and then he goes back for him. You know, that type of thing they might do. But I don't I honestly don't see them for more than an episode or so leaving the child with Ahsoka or something like that. Like even they like either their context wouldn't allow them to have the opportunity to split up or circumstances or whatever. Um, but I don't think the child will stay with. Ahsoka. Are you guys familiar with the term jumping the shark? Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. From uh, oh, is that what is that what I'm doing? That's it. Yeah, where he actually literally jumps the shark, and after that, it's kind of mm-hmm. hard to top. I'm a little concerned with getting Bo-Katan and Ahsoka yeah. Tano because um, I felt this a little bit with Bo-Katan. Like after this episode's over and they part ways, I had this feeling of I'd rather follow Bo-Katan than the Mandalorian. You know, like and and I'm like, oh, no, that's wrong. It's called the Mandalorian. Followed, followed Jim. She she is yeah. a Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. so you could. So. And then, and I'm worried when we meet Ahsoka Tano if she's if she's just like a like a 
uh, a tourist in this particular uh, series, and we only see her in this episode or the that one episode, or you know, for a little bit. I'm worried for me personally, it's going to be that jumping the shark moment where it's like, ah, oh, well, we saw that cool person, and I wonder what she's up to. We've been wondering for so long what she's if she's even alive, and so I'm a little worried uh, about that particular feeling that happens in television. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll at least say that you may feel that a little bit, but I think that the final couple episodes of the series, like episodes seven and eight, or maybe six, seven, eight, are going to be so epic that you're gonna you're you're not gonna forget, but you're gonna be like, okay, I'm I'm back in, I'm honed in on the the main story. And secondly, I think it's gonna serve as kind of an almost like a spinoff. Like, okay, now that we've seen Ahsoka. Next year, we're going to hear about the Ahsoka and Sabine series that we've wanted to see this whole time. Uh, Dave's going to start working on that or whatever. Um, so it's going to be. So I think that's going to be the impetus that the reason they couldn't tell that story yet is because they had to wait for this to get done. So yeah. it's this. It, this is kind and, of getting that out of the way. Yeah, they might have something in development they haven't announced yet. That's mm-hmm. that's true. They're waiting on this to to happen i i feel like the 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 way that the show is designed if we get away from that it'll change the fundamental kind of design of the show and i've already mentioned that so i'm with you guys if we're going to follow these these characters that we want to see so badly Mm -hmm. and even there's been speculation about boba fett the same way if we're going to see them and follow them in different you know different paths then that needs to be another show that needs to be something Mm -hmm. else because mandalorian you know one one of the successes of season one is it was in the Star Wars universe, but it wasn't pulling, it wasn't ha- requiring people to have foreknowledge going into things. Mm-hmm. You could jump in at episode one, and there was people, I'm sure, who had never seen Star Wars who did that. Yeah. And that made it very highly appealing. Mm-hmm. And as the, mo- the more we start to pull in more characters and add more knowledge that you have to know, yes, it's paying off to fans, but it's also, it's, it's tying it into that, I guess, the, the, the constrictions, the good and the bad. Because there's good and there's there's also some negativity and there's there's going to be some things that are hard to separate from once you tie it to certain things. Um, anyway, that's my opinion on that, and yeah. I, I would rather see I'd rather see some of those things explored in other shows that are dedicated to that um, than than for this show to to fundamentally transform its its kind of purpose. Uh, anyway, you had something. So, like that? Yeah, speaking of toughness, this is a little bit of a. a topic change it's just a question about the characters that play in this episode um and nathan i mentioned this to you before the show that this is something i haven't heard other people ask this question i'm curious of y'all's of your opinions oh of this. yeah so given bo um checkered past and her cutthroat uh, approach to things you have currently in this series you have moth gideon who wants the dark saber I'm sorry, Moth Gideon wants the child, and you have Bo-Katan that wants the Darksaber. Do you think that if Bo-Katan knew Moth Gideon wanted the child, that she would have taken that route, given the opportunity that she had with meeting? Because she doesn't know that is a bargaining chip right now with Moth Gideon. Hmm. So... It, it, this is this. I don't know. You, this this. I, I'm. I, I hope you're wrong, but but that's a cool yeah. concept that she could try to do that, and then Mando turns on her. Oh yeah, I don't think that. Mm. I, I hope that it doesn't go that direction. But I felt that tension. <laughs> I was like, 
they could sh- they could threaten that. They could foreshadow yeah. that and have have it as a as a concern, and then her obviously not do it. Or you could have them do that as a means of getting to Gideon. And yeah, you know, m- you know, Mando could be in on it, and uh, he would have. Of course, he would have to have a high level of trust for both mm-hmm. time. Um, I would expect. I would expect that if they did that, Ahsoka might be involved in it. Um, but it would be it would be a shame to have the characters of Bo-Katan and Ahsoka never interact. Yeah. So I would love to see I would love to see them interact in some way. Uh, if they don't, it'll kind of feel like how I was let down in, in in the sequel trilogy that we never got a moment where Han and Luke and Leia were all three together mm-hmm. and was the biggest failing. I, you have these characters that know each other and um we just want to see him say hi when we want to see him at least just get that moment together again uh, mm-hmm. it would be really meaningful so uh, well but that's uh, a great was, that's a great thought of trail of thought trail what were you saying Jonathan go ahead. oh you had there so two things first off is this is kind of kind of funny that when you were setting this up it reminded me of the concept of man gun gorilla yes. because you said so Gideon wants yes. the child uh, she wants the dark saber and my mind what and Din Djarin wants uh, Bo-Katan <laughs> one two three go that's that's where my mind. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> it's like the man gun gorilla thing. The other thing I thought when you mentioned jumping the shark reminded me of who's in Happy Days, Ron Howard, and who's his daughter, Bryce Dallas Howard. And my mind went, we haven't talked about this much, but this is Bryce Dallas Howard's episode. And I yeah, was like, she, she did awesome. She did awesome. Which, by the way, this is a huge step up from her last episode because in her last episode it was primarily. On the kind filler. of marsh, the, the not, marsh not planet. Not filler, but yeah. No, but like the way that the technical aspects, like she had a few shots yeah. of the Razor Crest in space, but it was almost entirely on one planet without any, you know, weird shots that she, she did some cool things with it, but still. Whereas this episode, she's in space, she's literally crashing a ship, she's pulling the ship out of the water, they're going, they're flying through you know, the atmosphere going back down. Like there's all these different things that she had to learn to use. And so she really stepped it up. And then of course, storyline was a step up and character and stuff. But this, I just thought you see the market improvement and you just think, you know, if, if she, she's probably not going to do another episode, but maybe she will. And if she does an episode of the third season, if she improves as much as she did in this one, who she's going to, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> My mind goes to that shot in the in the Imperial ship with the t- with the tilted view of the camera of the mm-hmm. floor at, near, in the hallway, yeah. the one that we saw in the trailer. That that shot, um, it really stuck out to me. But there, I've already seen people that are like, "Give Bryce Dallas Howard a Star Wars movie," and I'm like, "Oh wow, y'all really really liked it." That, right, that, I thought that's she did really jumping the shark there. <laughs> you really really <laughs> jumped the shark. Um, no, and I thought she did awesome, and I can't wait for—I really can't wait for the Disney galleries to get kind of a glance back at this and talk more with the directors and have more insight. And this will be an episode that we look back on. They trusted her a lot to give her this much content that is essential to the storyline. There are episodes that, like episode two, that is less important to the overall kind of story concept and the plot. And then this one was so plot heavy, and they really trusted her with it. So, but we have um, to remi- remember that. In television, the person who has primary control is the showrunner slash writer. Whereas in a movie, 
the person with the primary control is a director. So even though exactly. all yes. of these people have directed episodes, their th- episodes are more of the technical shots and yes. the physical yes. with the actors. So Peyton Reed, who directed the second one, if you had given him this episode, we might have loved it just as much as we did love this episode because the right, writing right. is the same. It's just <clears throat> the directing. So it's more of when you look at what the directors are doing with the episodes, you have to look on the more technical level, not the story level. You might level. see an ant more. We may have like another ant or bug. Though. <laughs> <laughs> not again. N- not again. <laughs> so is that, is that about wrap up your thoughts, Trent? Well, on a scale of one to ten, we need to rank this episode. Mm. So um, I'm trying to remember. So my rating for episode one, I think I gave it a nine, and I gave episode two a six. Uh, Jonathan, if I recall, you gave last week a seven. What was it that you gave episode one? Or sorry, like I'm sorry, chapter yeah. nine, mm-hmm. chapter nine, and chapter ten. I gave chapter nine like a nine point five. I gave chap I gave chapter uh, ten like a seven. So. Okay, so Trent, you'll have to do all three. What would you st- start with episode or with chapter okay, nine? Okay, chapter nine with the Crate Dragon and Cobb Banth. Um, I, I would, at the, at the time of seeing that, for me it was a ten. I, I give tens pretty frivolously, especially when it comes to good Star Wars. <laughs> um, that was a ten for me. Uh, I might go back and change that after this one. Uh, so it was a ten for chapter nine, and then for chapter ten, uh, it would probably be about a, a six or a seven for me. It was, it was good, serviceable. Uh, even the worst Mandalorian episode is the, is better than anything else right now. Um, mm. <laughs> and then yeah. for chapter eleven, this one, uh, this one would be a, an eleven out of ten. So, <laughs> <laughs> so so basically, yeah. you're um, uh, Sharon Osbourne on uh, America's yes. Got Talent. She just gives everyone ten. amazing ten to ten. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> I think. Uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. Honestly, think it deserved it. I would give it probably I'll say I'll give it nine point five, nine point five for me, uh, ahead of ahead of anything else this season. And and I think this deserves to be in the conversation for one of the best or possibly the best episode of the Mandalorian. And it's great that we had you know uh, two great episodes to to reassure us after last week. People were saying that it had lost its luster, but Mm-mm. after this week, nobody's saying that. They're like, oh, it was amazing. Uh, so, um, Jonathan, are, are we ready to wrap up? Is that about? All, is that to mm-hmm. a point? Or? I'll, I'll at least say mine. I would give it a 9.5, um, which 9. is the 5. same that I gave the first one, because I like these for very different reasons. The first right. one, I think the plot is better, but this one, I think, is more enjoyable from a, oh my goodness, ah... That, that aspect of it. And the first one did have, or chapter nine did have some action scenes and some, some, some connections. And this one had, but it was very different episodes. Like the first one was nine, 51 minutes. This one's only 36. Yeah. So yeah. they're great for very different reasons. So I'd give them both a 9.5. It's up there. Maybe given time, it'll overtake my number one, which is the chapter two. But mm-hmm. at the moment, these are just barely underneath, like just barely. So it's this is mm. this is a great start to the season two of Mandalorian. So I'm I'm very pleased with all this. It's going by very quickly, mm-hmm. and we're we're <laughs> we're almost to the halfway point. And I hate I hate even saying that. I'm like, no, well, <laughs> I don't want there thinking, to be only half. When this is done, January fifteenth, 
We get WandaVision. That's not Star Wars related, but hey, I am. That is, I'm more excited for WandaVision than I am for Mandalorian. Ooh. That's heresy to say on a Star Wars podcast. No, That's you're interesting. not. No, nope, no, way. I will. I will stand by that Hot all day take long. Here. <laughs> Hot take. I am. Woo. You are well, fired. Well, those fired. Are, wait a Trent. second. You, you can't fire me from this. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that's tangent. Um, I guess we can announce our next episode. We'll be talking about the Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah. Episode four, chapter chapter twelve. 12. Yeah. Um, I can I can announce who our guest is going to be this time. He was going to be our guest this week, and then he got COVID, and so I was like, "Oh, you can't possibly do this." And he was. It was like, oh, is your alpha still available? And I'm like, well, we already gave the slot away. So I was like, what about <laughs> next week? And he's like, yes, 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 yes. Get, get, I want lock me in. So James uh, Cohn, our co-producer who's been on several times, will be back next week. And he is chomp. Let me know, let you know. He's chomping at the bit. Before it's been like, hey, I've been I've told him, do you want to come on? Now it's him going, bring, put, put me in, coach. So. We got to get Mike back on for one of the one of the Mandalorian episodes too. Mike said he wants to do the week after. So okay, all right. So we'll do that, and then maybe uh, I, I don't know what it'd be like to have to have four all of, of us on there at the same time, but maybe we can have two guests at some point uh, mm-hmm. for like the finale. I don't know. Or and I want to do like an overall do a mega, mega season episode. season review where we bring on all five of us. That would be ooh, cool. Ooh, I can't wait. All right. Well. <clears throat> Keep listening out there. Thanks for our support. Jonathan, would you tell everybody where they can find us? You can find us on Simplecast, which is our primary website that we are on. You can also find our podcast on Apple Podcasts through iTunes. You can listen to us on Google Podcasts through Google Play. You can listen to us on Radio.com. You can listen to us on iHeartRadio. You can listen to us on Stitcher. Um, I usually forget Stitcher. And you can also find our Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash two sons of Tatooine. Um, uh, th- that's where we post all our new episodes, put any updates about information or anything. Um, uh, and then you can find my writing at Roku Depot. Uh, I do Star Wars and other book reviews. Um, but I guess with that, I'm Jonathan. And I am Nathan, a.k.a. NP Bro. And I'm Honored, a.k.a. Trent. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, guys. It's always fun. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's great to have you on. And uh, thank you for listening to, uh, to Two Sons of Tatooine.